Welcome to V1, the podcast, an aviation podcast where we explore the vast world of aviation. My name is Nick Herring, and I'm your host. In this episode, we're talking about the commercial pilot checkride, specifically the airplane single engine land category and class. I'll be talking about my recent checkride experience, including how I prepared for the checkride and the checkride itself. We'll touch upon some of the do's and don'ts in order to make the checkride as enjoyable as possible should you decide to pursue your commercial certificate. It's all coming up in just a few moments, so sit back, relax, and welcome aboard to Episode 9 of V1, the podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the show, or if you're new here, thanks for stopping by to check it out. If you missed the last episode, we sat down with Matt Johnston, president of California Aeronautical University, which is the school that I attend. So if you missed that show, I highly recommend you give it a listen, especially if you are someone who is looking to pursue an aviation degree program. But in this episode, I'm going to give you guys a little play-by-play of my commercial checkride experience. As I've mentioned in past episodes, I was nearing the end of my training for my commercial pilot certificate, and I'm proud to say that on August 27th, I passed my checkride, and I'm now a commercial pilot. So let's go ahead and talk about how I personally prepared for the commercial pilot checkride. So technically speaking, preparation for your commercial certificate kind of begins when you're doing your private pilot training. All the commercial really is is an an emphasis on the private pilot knowledge, but thrown in with a little higher standards in there and uh, learning a, a little bit more as far as certain systems work like oxygen systems and pressurization and such. And there's some instrument stuff thrown in there as well. One of the things you have to complete is an FAA knowledge test for the commercial certificate. And if I believe that uh, consists of about 100 questions, a couple hours to complete. It's a lot of private pilot stuff, uh, some instrument stuff in there as well. And, uh, you know, it's important to prepare for that just as much as you prepare for the actual checkride. And I'm saying that because I wasn't prepared enough for my written test and I just barely squeaked by with a 70%. Not proud of it at all, but it's a pass. I'll take it. Uh, It did come back to bite me a little bit in the oral portion of the checkride, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But, uh, you know, a lot of preparation goes into being ready for the commercial checkride, especially when it comes to flying the airplane itself, all the different maneuvers we're learning, uh, the standards in which you are doing those maneuvers are, you know, a little bit a little bit uh, stricter uh, than it would be in the in the private, um, and then you're, of course you're learning new maneuvers like Shondells and Lazy Eights and all that. Um, then really having that good knowledge foundation to tell you the truth. Uh, one of the big helpers that I used to help study for this was the Pave checklist, which is um, to stands for pilot, uh, aircraft, environment, and external factors. So sounds short and sweet, but there's actually a lot that goes into that. And if you have a really well done paved checklist, uh, it's going to make your life a lot easier because you can literally cover all of the knowledge portion of the commercial pilot ACS just with the paved checklist if you do it right. So um, I had a very detailed paved checklist, which was kind of a hybrid between one that I created back in my private pilot training and instrument training, as well as my instructor. So we kind of worked together on that, kind of created my own uh, paved checklist. Now, uh, depending on your DPE, your designated pilot examiner, they may just let you talk the whole time and go through a PAVE checklist or however you want to do it. Or like my examiner was, they'll just ask you questions out the gate. Um, So once I was prepared and I made all of the requirements for the 141 um, training, which is uh, the training that I go through. So the, the requirements for the commercial certificate are a little different between if you go through part 61 and part 141. 
Um, we're not going to go into those, but um, I completed all the requirements for what I needed for the 141 uh, training that I was getting at my school for the commercial certificate and uh, went through and submitted my paperwork through IACRA. And then it was a matter of actually scheduling the check ride. So how it works uh, up here in Bakersfield is we have a couple local DPEs, but we also have a couple people that we use down in Oxnard. Uh, Oxnard is kind of where CAU started. We have a flight training center that operates out of the FBO Golden West over there. And so a lot of the check rides at my school happen down in Oxnard. Sometimes you have to drive yourself all the way down there. Other times it works out where you can actually take an aircraft out there. We, we normally have a plane there, but sometimes uh, it works out that way. Fortunately for me, I was gonna be able to take a plane down there. Um, we took uh, our, our Top Hawk aircraft that we use for special events um, that I'm the coordinator for at my school. And uh, you know, we make the joke that that aircraft's kind of like my baby. So <laughs> it was a, uh, it was it was a good idea to take it. I was really familiar with, or I shouldn't say familiar. All the planes are the same as far as the 172s go. But I have the most hours in uh, that particular aircraft. It has an autopilot, so I knew that I can um, confidently uh, display my ability to operate that autopilot in that plane, and all those different factors. So uh, it was going to be kind of cool to be able to take that plane down. So. Luckily, I was able to uh, schedule my checkride with an examiner within a week down there in Oxnard. Now, for those of you that are listening to this in other parts of the country, you're probably like, what, a week? Um, I have heard the horror stories of people waiting to get a checkride scheduled for DPEs over there on the East Coast and even in the central United States, and it can just take forever. So hopefully that new rule coming out, if you haven't heard of it already, will allow DPEs to basically be able to do check rides in any location. Um, I'm not sure if that's actually official yet. I know that that's what they've been working on. So let me know if that's official. I'll have to look it up myself. Uh, anyway, I was able to schedule that check ride and um, it worked out really well. Uh, at first it was scheduled on a, on a Monday, which was a little, which wasn't very ideal because I have a, a my CFI ground class on Monday mornings at 8 a.m. And um, that's a really important class and, and I don't want to miss anything of it. Plus I had work the following, or the previous day on Sunday till like one in the morning. So I got to drive from Anaheim all the way up to Bakersfield. And uh, you know, that wasn't really gonna be ideal to have an early morning check ride on Monday and having to do that. So um, I was a little bummed, but uh, the, clouds, the clouds cleared because uh, the DPE told me uh, he had an opening on Tuesday and we were able to move it to Tuesday. And man, that just made it so much easier. So that uh, gave me time to go home I could use all of Monday to prepare for Tuesday. Um, and that's exactly what I did. So um, the examiner gave me all of the information as far as what he expected from the check ride. So what I mean is he gave me a scenario, right? A flight. So he gave me a very simple flight. It was from Oxnard to um, uh, Santa Rosa uh, with like one passenger, their weight, and that was it. So super simple. Um, and then he was just gonna build on top of that during the check ride as far as scenarios and, and all that goes. But uh, once I got that information, I was able to kind of do my my uh, flight planning and go through my PAVE checklist again, specifically re related to that flight and the route I was choosing to get up there and all those different factors involved. So I wrote all those down. So that's kind of something that I recommend is when you're given a route or a scenario to fly for your check ride, um, I highly recommend that you take that, you you do your, you, you know, you plot your course and everything. You write down all of the performance information for your aircraft, how much fuel you're going to need, 
um, how much fuel you're going to load into the aircraft, if you've got a shift weight around, uh, terrain, altitudes, why you chose those altitudes, the airspace you're going to go through, all of that. The, and the pave, the part of the pave checklist covers all of that in the environment section. I mean, when you're doing your flight planning, that's really what that section's for, um, especially weather and everything. So have all that ready to explain because your DP is going to ask you questions about that for sure. Um, so yeah, so I prepared that and uh, both mentally and I printed everything out and made everything super organized. So um, one thing I did that I highly recommend for everybody, this doesn't really have to do with the knowledge part of the checkride, but uh, so you're supposed to meet certain requirements based on the type of training you had. I mentioned part 61 or 141. Well, it will make your life so much easier and your DPE's life so much easier if you can easily identify the flights that met those requirements in your logbook. So what I do is in the notes section of every entry, and I use ForeFlight for a digital logbook, uh, I write the um, flight lesson number down, so that's pertaining to my school, and then I write the requirement that that flight met. So for example, um, if this was the night solo flight, right, where I had to do 10 landings and such. Um, I wrote that on there and then I wrote the actual FAR regulation number, right, that that had to do with. Um, so that I can highlight that and, and show him, hey, this is a flight that met this FAR requirement and blah, blah, blah. And they can go through and be like, oh, yep, there it is. Cool. There's a number of landings you did. You know, is that nighttime? Is that a control tower? Blah, blah, blah. So um, that the DP was super impressed with. So I highly recommend everybody do that. And it really helps you. Uh, sort of like know the the regulations and such too going ahead of time because that way uh, when they ask you those questions like oh what do you need to do you know to meet these requirements you're like oh I need this landing or this this I need this kind of flight this kind of flight I need a dual this and a solo this and blah 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 it's all right there easy for them to find um, I like to, to print out the four flight logbook the two-page version and I have a horizontal binder that I kind of put it in in little um, uh, laminated sheets it's super nerdy, it's super OCD, but you know, I'm kind of a perfectionist and it just makes it easier to find. And um, I'll, uh, maybe I'll put a picture of this in, in the show notes or something so you can see what I'm talking about. But um, I don't know, I just like a, an organized logbook and ForeFlight allows me to do that really easily and export it super easily, especially with the 8710. So before you go on your check ride, you have to go into IACRA. It's a website where you put in all your times and um, basically fill out the paperwork for the certificate that you're trying to get. And uh, the 8710 export option in ForeFlight makes it really easy for you to be able to do that through IACRA. Everything's in the same exact order. Um, there's no surprises and you won't miss anything. So that's really nice. So uh, next, we're going to talk about the actual checkride itself. Okay, so now it's the morning of my checkride. I think it was scheduled at 9 a.m. I woke up early. I went to the school and uh, started my pre-flight for the aircraft I was going to take. Um, my plan was to actually leave pretty early. I wanted to get over in the Oxnard area. It's only about a 45 minute flight um, to the coast, but I wanted to get there a little early and sort of survey the area because I had never done a check ride down in that area. So I wasn't familiar with any kind of landmarks. I've flown into the airport in that area plenty of times, but I've never actually done any type of ground reference you know, maneuvers in the air and knew what to look for. So I kind of wanted to make sure that I left with plenty of time to get out there and kind of survey the area. But you know, the weather didn't really allow that for me. It was completely overcast. 
Um, but it was burning off pretty quick. So I just kind of waited around for, for a few more minutes, probably about 30 to 45 more minutes, and it was clear enough for me to go ahead and, and head out there. Um, of course, I could have just left and done the approach in, but again, the whole point of me going out there early was to, to be able to see the ground <laughs> um, and, and kind of pick out those points. So I didn't really get to do that because now I was kind of running close to the time I wanted to get there. So I flew out there, I landed and taxied in. Um, we operate out of a, an FBO over there, Golden West, and uh, got there and kind of set out my stuff on the table. I had I had about an hour to sort of prep myself and I went through the, the notes I made and the areas I knew I was weak in uh, to be able to um, refresh and keep it, keep it really fresh in my mind for when we actually started the oral portion. Uh, so, Anyway, uh, the DPE arrived. Uh, I'm not going to mention his name because I don't have his permission to do so, but great guy down in the Oxnard area. He does a lot of check rides out of Camarillo, actually. Uh, older gentleman. Um, and, you know, it's one of those things where you're usually, that's like the most nerve wracking part is meeting the DPE because you've never met him before and or her. And uh, you've heard things, you know, good or bad. And, and it's always kind of like that awkward ice breaking moment you got to try to try to have. So. Uh, luckily, super friendly guy. Uh, anyway, so uh, we went over the paperwork. We went upstairs and in this little conference room and set up everything. We went back downstairs to the computers to um, finish the IACRA. He went through and we corrected anything that needed to be corrected, but everything was pretty much in there correctly, which is great. And then we started, we went back upstairs and started the oral portion of the check ride. So overall, the oral was about, I'd say about two and a half hours. And really the only reason it was even that long was because uh, we were just kind of talking most of the time. We were kind of shooting the shit back and forth. Um, it was, uh, like I said, he was, he was a cool guy. Otherwise the, the check ride probably would have been only, I mean, man, probably about hour 45, two hours. Um, it really was not that intensive. Um, I mentioned earlier though, that that written test was gonna, that, that knowledge test was gonna come back to bite me. The reason being is because um, DPUs are sort of required basically to uh, go through all of the items on your written test that you got wrong. You're also supposed to do that with your instructor. There's actually an endorsement that says that they've gone through all those items with you, which of course my instructor did. Um, but what was really funny was when the examiner emailed me the week prior and gave me the flight that he wanted me to plan, he had also mentioned, send me your written test. So I had a feeling he was gonna go through each of those items and on your written test, there's uh, these little codes on the front that tell you all the questions, uh, or sorry, the codes represent the question or type of question or type of knowledge base that you got wrong. So he pulls out this piece of paper and puts it on the table and it's this blank piece of paper and it says Nick Herring at the top and it has all of the codes for all the questions I got wrong on the test and, uh, and, and what they meant. And so I knew that he was just going to go down the list and he did eventually, he, he spread it out throughout the check ride. It wasn't just like it was its own part or anything, but um, anyway, uh, the oral really was pretty uneventful. There were a few things I struggled on for sure, but nothing that was out of standards or was too crazy. If anything, I, if, if I was lacking in any area, it was, it was more so like the, the detail in whatever I was explaining. Um, Admittedly, one area I was weak on was, um, or half weak on, I should say, is pressurization. I know how, how an aircraft is pressurized, um, you know, and and how it, it uses bleed air from the from the engine and all this and all those on the technical side of it. But I I didn't know how that applied to a a, uh, a piston aircraft. 
of course it's you know the turbocharger is a big part of that but um, I never really reviewed that in detail and that's that's you know my bad I, I just kind of focused on the turbine engine you know and anyway it wasn't a huge deal uh, he, he kind of the cool thing about this examiner is he he really helps you out he doesn't teach you he's not supposed to and he doesn't give you the answer but he does rephrase questions uh, to, to help you get towards the answer especially if they can tell that you you know what the answer is it's just you kind of you know saying it um, he was really good at that. He's really good at being like, okay, well, if this means this, then it probably also means dot dot dot. And you know, so it kind of he kind of helps you along, um, for sure. So that was really helpful. So anyway, passed the oral, went downstairs, uh, started looking at the weather. It started to get pretty cloudy in the Oxnard area. A little bit of uh, wind too. We kind of stood outside for about 20 minutes and just kind of watched the sky and saw what areas were freeing up uh, overhead. We uh, Eventually decided it was good to go and got in the plane and went up and uh, did the flight portion of the check ride. Um, like I said, the the flight plan was originally to Santa Rosa, so we headed that direction. And part of the check ride, there is a uh, diversion in there, so uh, we headed that up the coast for my original part of the flight plan. And he said, "Okay, divert me to Van Nuys." So luckily, I fly a G1000 Cessna 172, so direct. Uh, KVNY, enter, enter, and poof, we started turning that direction. Um, but they want to make sure that you know all the different elements involved when you divert somewhere. So I told them, all right, we're diverting to Van Nuys. We'll start the turn now. Um, I'm going to need to climb to this altitude because of that's the VFR, you know, hemispherical cruising altitude. Um, the terrain wasn't necessarily a factor at that altitude either, and so on and so forth. It's going to take us this long to get there. He, the, this examiner was completely fine with you using your iPad, so I had four flights, so I just, um, the, the G1000 we're using in that particular aircraft has the flight stream, so I was able to pull the direct information over to my iPad. And it tells me right there, okay, your direct Van Nuys, it's gonna take you this amount of time and this amount of fuel. I was also prepared to do that manually if you really wanted me to. Um, you know, we can figure that out in flight. It just makes it a little bit, little bit, little bit trickier, but it was pretty, Hippo technology. He just said, "Okay, cool. Yep, that's that's what I would have guessed too." Or he did his own little math, and the iPad was correct. Shocker. So um, then, as we started heading that direction, he said, "Okay, we're not going to go there anymore. Let's go and do the uh, air work." And we went out and uh, out to kind of in between the uh, Santa Paula and uh, Six Flags area over there in the um, um, Santa Clarita kind of area. And that's where we kind of did the air work. Uh, so it's just outside of the airspaces. It was sort of in the acrobatic box that's over there, aerobatic box, whatever you want to call it. Um, but uh, we had a, a frequency tuned up and we were listening to see if there's anybody in the area. Uh, so we did all the air work, um, pretty simple. We just kind of did some stalls and stuff on the way over there. Got a lot of that done. And then uh, did some ground reference maneuvers. We did end up finding a few places to do some uh, points as far as uh, steep spirals and eights on pylons go. And yeah, then that was pretty much, it was pretty uneventful to tell you the truth. I wish I could tell you more, but it really wasn't uh, that exciting. Oh, I should mention uh, the first thing he had us do actually before we even left to go uh, do the fake, you know, the fake uh, leg out there before he diverted me was he wanted to do all of the landings and stuff right uh, first, right there at the airport, which I thought actually was a really good idea because sometimes you spread it out, you, you know, you do like a short fill takeoff and then you go out and do your things, come back and then do your landings. It was kind of nice to just get those all out of the way because my, honestly, my biggest fear of my check ride was the power off 180 because 
you really have to be pretty precise with that. You have to, you know, pick your point and then land um, on that point or with two, within 200 feet, uh, I believe it was 200 feet of that point. And uh, if you are short any feet, it, you fail, automatic fail. If you're too long, automatic fail. So that little tiny window of you being able to land where you're supposed to land is really important. And uh, that made me really nervous, but we did all the landing stuff uh, right away. And um, I was, uh, when we went to go do the power off 180, uh, didn't quite hit the mark I wanted, but I was within standards. I think I still had about hundred feet to go. So I was kind of halfway in that landing zone, but whatever, I'll take it. You know, <laughs> that was the thing I was most worried about on the entire check ride. Uh, all the other maneuvers in the air, I'm not perfect with, but I knew that they were all within standards. So I wasn't really concerned about those. So we started heading back into the airport and um, did a couple steep turns on the way back. And that was really it. And we came back in. Uh, my last landing was a short full landing. We did that and taxied in. And as we were taxiing in, he basically said, all right, well, you made it, you know? So that was really exciting. And uh, uh, I, I don't think it had quite hit me yet, of course, but... Uh, we, we taxied in and parked, turned off the airplane, shook my hand, did all the normal closing things. And uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was how the flight went. So we went inside and uh, did all the finished paperwork, right? So uh, he printed out the little paper certificate and I signed it. And um, the cool thing about this examiner is he does a, a, a briefing and a debrief before everything. So we had this long briefing where he talked about before the oral, before, you know, he, he talked about, okay, this is what the oral is going to be. This is what I'm going to be looking for, yada, yada, yada. And then we debriefed the oral and said, okay, you need to work on this. You're good on this. This was fine. This was great. Same thing for the flight. He talked about what we're going to do on the flight, how he wanted to do it. And then at the end of the flight, he talked about, you know, the things I could work on, the things I did the best, a nice debriefing. That was really nice. I don't, I don't think I did that on my other check rides and it was, Kind of nice to be able to put it in perspective and everything. Um, yeah, so we did all the paperwork and, um, you know, you shook my hand and that was all she wrote. Took a couple photos of the me holding the paper. It's on my Instagram. And uh, flew the plane back over to Bakersfield. And, uh, you know, that was uh, that was all she wrote as far as the check ride goes. Um, it was got a, kind of weird, I got I to gotta admit, you know, kind of flying back because I just did all this stuff and accomplished a big goal, you know, got my commercial certificate, which is a big stepping stone. And it was, uh, still didn't quite hit me yet. And I, I had 45 minutes of a flight to on the way back home to Bakersfield to kind of let it sink in, you know? So I think when I landed, uh, is when I just had the smile on my face that I couldn't get off. So, um, this, uh, this certificate is probably the most fulfilling, uh, out of the, the other ones I've had so far between my well, my private and then my instrument, which is a rating. And um, I think it's because it's, you know, now I can officially be employed. I can actually be hired as a pilot um, and make money off of it. Uh, it's not the end of the road here. Uh, my, my program specifically at my school, they, we continue on and do our CFI training. And I have already begun that. And uh, we're gonna talk about that next actually in the what's next part of the show. So if you listened to the last episode, you might recall Matt mentioning that we're opening a location down in San Diego. And that's true. We're going to be opening a flight training center at Montgomery Field in October. Um, the official opening date is still to be determined. I think we're going to announce that at the Miramar Air Show. We'll be there as far as my school goes. Um, but the reason why I mentioned that is because that's super exciting because I'm from San Diego. And... Um, 
Matt had offered for me to possibly help open the location and instruct out of that location. So obviously I just got my commercial and I don't have my CFI instructors or my CFI certificate yet, but um, I am already in CFI ground and have now begun the early stages of my CFI flight training. So the new plan, which is the big news, is I'm gonna finish out this term at school here at Bakersfield and move down, move back home to San Diego. Uh, my classes will switch to completely online. And by the end of the term, in about four weeks, I will have finished my CFI ground, my FOI and FIA knowledge tests and the uh, beginning stages of the CFI flight training. So basically the, the familiarization of flying the plane and instructing from the right seat. That's what a lot of the flight portion is. And then uh, some of the uh, classroom stuff as far as lesson plans and, and teaching stuff, and which is you know basically what I'm doing already in my CFI ground. So those things kind of mesh up really well. Um, our former chief instructor, uh, his name is Adam. He, uh, went, he moved down to San Diego actually after being our chief instructor for a while up in here, up, up here in Bakersfield and uh, took a job down there with Barry Aviation. And that was mainly because, uh, you know, for him and his family, it was just going to be a better move. And uh, funny enough, he moved actually into this town, the, the city of Santee, which is where I, I grew up. So uh, that was uh, kind of funny. So he will actually be coming back to us full time. And he's going to be our assistant chief instructor at the San Diego location. The reason why I mention that is because he is going to finish out my CFI flight training down there in San Diego. So what that means is we can really accomplish a lot of things. So not only will I be able to finish my flight instruction uh, training with Adam, who's an amazing instructor, he's very tough, but for good reasons. Um, but through that training, uh, we can also establish some practice areas, we can um, get, her, get a better lay of the land. Um, like I said, I did a lot of my initial training down in San Diego, so I'm fairly, pretty familiar with the area. But this allows us to really kind of have a nice foundation for the new location and, and uh, figure out what we want to do uh, moving forward at the location. So uh, I'm excited. My friends and family are excited, especially my mom. So um, get to end back up in San Diego, which is kind of where I wanted to end up anyway towards the end of all this. I just get to do it sooner than I thought. And uh, I'll be pretty busy instructing out of there. Um, you know, we'll probably be kind of slow to start when we open with a couple students here and there. But if you're if you're listening to this and you're a resident of San Diego and you're looking for, you know, that professional degree or professional pilot program, we're going to be offering that. Um, I think it is still going to be a degree type program. So it's not going to be like a regular flight school. You can just come in and get your private out of the way. You have, I think it is part of the whole program, getting a, an associates or a bachelor's or whatnot. But it, I'm not a spokesperson on all that so yet. So um, for now, all you need to know is we're opening a new location. If you're familiar with Coast uh, Flight Training down at Montgomery Field, we're now gonna be occupying their old location. They're moving somewhere else in the field so we're taking over their old one and that's that's what we're gonna be based out of. So um, more to come on that. Keep an eye on the school's website, calero.edu for all that information. And if you're gonna be at Miramar Air Show, um, I'm not gonna be there. I mean, I'm going to go to the air show, but I'm not going to be there as far as my school goes, but my school will be there. So make sure you go out there and, and say hi and say that you listen to the podcast. 
But I think that's going to do it for this episode nine of V1, the podcast. If you like the show, go ahead and subscribe and give a rating and review. This podcast is also available on Stitcher and Spotify. But more importantly, what do you want to hear about next? Just send me an email to feedback at v1podcast.com. You can also use that email if you have any other questions or comments. This show is still in its infancy, so any comments or suggestions are always welcome. And finally, feel free to follow me on Instagram with the username at the Nick Herring, all one word. All that being said, thanks for stopping by, everybody, and I'll see you next time on V1, the podcast. <laughs>